Yeah, I'm like Neo now. <laughs> oh, that was good. That was good. That's Morpheus. Good morning, everyone. Jurassic Views, Bryce Diamond, post-game versus the Atlanta Hawks. Good morning, good morning, good morning. I'm in Mississauga, so close to the six, in the GTA, feeling the Halloween vibes out here, handing out candy to Mississauga children. Uh, close, close enough to the Raptors to feel um, the energy of the city lots of hoops out here lots of hoopers out here um you know maybe not a lot of dylan brooks jerseys but definitely a lot of chance mvp chance uh for pascal siakam uh it's a good feel game for the toronto raptors after the atlanta hawks and uh lots to talk about lots to be excited about but i don't want to get too crazy about this game. I don't want to get too high off this game um, because, number one, we played the Atlanta Hawks 1 by 30. That's fantastic. But number one, Fred Van Vliet was not in this game uh, due to back tightness, due to back stiffness, um, which apparently affected his play on Friday. Um, don't know if we needed a doctor to tell us that. I think <laughs> Freddie could have easily told us. <laughs> Uh, but anyways, shouldn't have probably played the second half. Maybe shouldn't have played the game at all against Philly on Friday. But regardless, uh, he was not in the game. So hoping that his body can recover. He's only 28 years old. And we need a healthy Fred for sure for 65, 70 games of this season. Um, but at least it protects his legs. The other reason why I'm not... I don't want to get too high, at least at the beginning of this recording, because Gary Trent Jr. played 37 minutes last night. Pascal Siakam played 35 minutes last night. That's a lot of minutes logged. Um, and knowing that Gary was a big part of the second half offense, knowing that Pascal was a huge part of this game, we'll get to his numbers in a second, uh, you know, you just don't want to play guys too much more than 32 minutes a game um, w when they're looking rather easy on the scoreboard. Um, the other thing is that uh, I think is really important to know in this absolute blowout and, and you know, cakewalk offensively. Like, there were times where uh, we just literally walked in uh, to their to their key and and they really wouldn't weren't putting up much resistance on the perimeter but the other thing that's important to note is uh, at the 813 minute of the third quarter it was 7069 like this was a close ball game for about two and a half quarters at the six minute mark 
of the third quarter, uh, Pascal had just hit a three with 6.17 to go. And the score was 80-74. So, like, this, this was a close game until the Raptors exploded. And the score was 80-76. And the Raptors went on, I believe, about a 13-0 run. Yeah, they got it up to 93-76. So they go on a 13-0 run, and the lead go, balloons from four points to a 17-point advantage. That 17-point advantage came through Gary Trent Jr. free throws with 43.3 seconds left in the third quarter. So at that point, when you get up 17, at that point when Gary hits those two free throws, at that point when you've got uh, Pascal off the court, he had played a lot of minutes um, to that point. He came out of the third quarter at the 240 mark. So until Gary hits those free throws and it's a 17-point game, this game was still quite competitive. We just went on that 13-0 run to create that distance. But again, it was 80-76 at the 5-27 mark. The 5-27 mark before they go in the 13-0 run. So I don't want to get too crazy about this game. Um, It is important to note that although the Hawks were 4-2 coming into this game, two of those wins were against the Pistons, one against the Rockets, one against the Magic. So, you know, an inflated record to say the least. This is a good Hawks team. Uh, I think they looked pretty flat uh, offensively, which was odd. It is very odd to say about this Atlanta Hawks team. This is one of, you know, the best offensive teams in the game. Uh, Like Fred looked off against Philly, Trey Young definitely looked off. And you could credit the Raptors' defense and length. There's no Fred on the floor. But I've seen Trey Young take over games. I've seen Trey Young deal with longer lineups. And today, uh, yesterday, it, the length definitely frustrated him. Scotty Barnes being on him frustrated him. But he looked, he did look off. He didn't look like he had the the, the spirit, um, the the hop, the um, competitiveness that I'm used to seeing that cutthroat, uh, get the jugular uh, kind of, you know, look to him that we've seen in the past. And, you know, who knows why that was. Um, But regardless, when your best player, a guy who's been scoring, you know, 32 points a game uh, for the first six games coming into this one, you think, hey, you're going to see a little more from Trey Young. Um, now, interesting with Trey Young, like a lot of guys in the league and a lot of superstars in the league, a lot of all-stars, this guy does get a whistle, but he'll get a lot of soft whistles. And and then uh, not only will he get a soft whistle, he'll also look for more soft calls. There is a play... Last night, in the third quarter, where Scotty Barnes might have like 
held pinkies with him for a split second. And Trey Young was like all upset, yelling and one at the officials, uh, questioning where their whistle was. Uh, and it was just strange to me to, to see that because I'm like, there was really very little contact outside of the pinkies in all honesty. And uh, last time I checked that, that, that wasn't a lot of contact. And last time I checked, uh, when you're already got a couple soft calls, like, come on, man, you, you got to have some perspective here. But anyways, yeah, he just, he didn't look like himself. Now, where the Raptors uh, did look like themselves um, was on the defensive end for much of this game. Uh, there was uh, certain moments where they, they you know, missed a rotation. Those things are going to happen. Uh, there was moments when uh, they went to a zone and a bit surprising that they decided to go to a zone against a Hawks team who has some good shooters. Uh, but, you know... For the most part, this was an elite defensive performance from the Raptors. Uh, they got a lot of scoring, over 40 points in transition. Um, they had tons of steals. OG Ananobi had six steals just by himself. Uh, so this, this was a really good defensive game. And you could see between Murray and Trey Young that they were uh, quite annoyed, quite agitated by the length of this team. And when Fred goes out of the lineup, literally your shortest guy in your entire lineup, six feet tall with the shoes on, um, who are you going to sub into that starting lineup? And a lot has already been talked about with who you do come in with when one of the starters is off. Uh, even my father, I was watching the game with him last night, was saying, you know, why aren't we starting Precious Achua? And I, my response to my dad was that Ever since Nick Nurse has taken over this team, and it might not just be a Nick thing, you know, Nate and, and Adrian Griffin might uh, be interested in, in keeping this consistency too, but usually they kind of like to keep their sets and rotations. Usually like they like to not tinker too much with the lineup, and so they almost have a bit of a rover um, within the lineup who can kind of slot in, I think. In the Tampa year, that was Kem Birch, who kind of would get slotted in different places if guys were injured. Um, you know, Boucher in the past has been that guy as well, who you're like, seems like he's getting more minutes than he should. Um, but, you know, they're, they're not just giving a guy an opportunity. They also don't want to mess up the rotations. And I think... Uh, Nick and the coaching staff has been very happy with the Boucher-Precious Achua combination coming off the bench. At the start of the game, they sub in together. Last night, they were very effective coming off the bench. Uh, they had 21 combined points. Chris Boucher, 21 minutes. Precious Achua uh, had 18 minutes. And I think they really like that. Um, and then, you know, it depends on matchups sometimes who the next guy will be brought off the bench. But they kind of like those two guys giving energy. Uh, so who did they start? They started rookie Christian Coloco. And folks, after watching Christian Coloco in the preseason, I honestly thought we got another steal. 
Here, here's Masai and Bobby and the staff doing a hell of a job to, uh, to scout, to not just see this guy when he was playing for Arizona, although he was an elite defender for Arizona, but they knew this guy from Giants of Africa camps. Like this is a guy who, who they have kept their eye on, and that's kind of the, the beauty of Masai having Giants of Africa and having those kind of internal scouts even within that organization. Um, and, and Christian Coloco, not only is he just a different guy, he's not in that you know 6869 grouping. Uh, he's a legitimate bona fide seven foot or seven foot one is what they list him at. He's long as can be, but he's super athletic. And he's very coordinated uh, offense, sorry, defensively. And his movement, a lot of big guys, especially when they just get into the league, you even Scotty was like this a bit. They're a bit awkward with their movement as they're making turns, as they're making catches, as they're making cuts. Um, Coloco has a lot of fluidity to his motion. Still lo- lots of mechanics and uh, lots of getting comfortable in, in his body still. Um, he's going to do that over the course of the next three, four, five years, I'm sure. He's 22 years old. He's still going to get better, obviously. And even, you know, from a mechanical, physiological standpoint, he's going to get better um, in his movement. But, man, oh, man, he looks smooth for a seven foot one, 22-year-old rookie out there. Um, and th- as the skills come, it's going to be really great to see. So... I- that made a lot of sense. It made a lot of sense because Clint Capella is that dominant, you know, around the rim type center. So they went like for like on that. But it also gives them the chance to pressure the ball on the perimeter that much more. Trey Young not only got the pressure from Scotty Barnes, who was covering him for most of the first half, uh, but he also then has to deal with Coloco when he gets into the middle. And he's got Ananobi, Siakam, uh, who are long and, you know, are able to put themselves into passing lanes. So it putting Coloco in the starting lineup made a lot of sense. But it also makes a lot of sense because you're not messing with the rotations of Achu and Boucher. And whoever that other big is, whether it's Thad Young or Kem Birch uh, coming off the bench when uh, Otto Porter comes in, I think he'll knock uh, Birch out of the lineup. That's just my thinking. Uh, we'll see. Uh, but for now, that's where Coloco's, um, that's the guy who's going to slot in the starting lineup. When Scotty was out, Coloco came in. When Fred came out, Coloco came in. Now, will that continue when Otto Porter comes back? Will that continue when... Uh, when the G League season starts in the next couple of weeks? I don't know. They're certainly going to get him a lot of run in, in the G League for the first you know month or two, uh, which is great for his development. But Coloco was the perfect fit last night. Uh, if you play him against the Spurs on Wednesday in the starting lineup, if Fred's not available, I think, again, that works. Against Chicago uh, with Vucevic, maybe not. You know, if Vucevic got injured and they bring in uh, their their backup big, maybe it makes more sense. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, but last night it was it was a perfect fit, 
And so far defensively, you can tell. We needed a big guy who is a, a shot blocker and intimidator, and he fits the bill. He was excellent last night. Five rebounds, uh, three blocks. He rolled well, had some easy buckets. Uh, great game from, from the rookie Coloco. Uh, last night I, I was talking about Boucher and Achuo. Precious Achuo. I, I was tweeting this out last night. His passing game has got better. He did make an assist, but he made some extra passes that I did not see from Precious last year, uh, which is great to see. Just that extra vision. I mean, even Ken Birch struggles with that. Ken Birch, the ball kind of sticks, or he only has one guy he's, he's, he's keeping his eyes on. He's not thinking ahead, and, and Precious is already starting to do that. The other thing we, we talked about is three-point shooting. He only shot one last night, uh, and he missed. But that's, that's okay. It's, it'll come and go. But where I want to see consistency, where I want to see improvement, and he was excellent, perfect, last night was from the line. He's going to get to the line with that athletic, uh, with his athleticism, with his frame, with the way the offense plays. He's going to be near, and, and he's going to be at the rim. And Precious Achua was 6 for 6 from the free throw line. Now, I don't think that's going to happen every night, that he's going to shoot 6 and that he's going to be perfect. But if he can be anywhere near 80% free throw shooting, my gosh, uh, between him and Boucher, uh, who's also a solid free throw shooter, with their attention on the, on the offensive glass, uh, with their big frames and speed, creating mismatches for the fours and fives, uh, that is going to be a real bonus for this team this year. And as people have said, a lot of you know, most improved player uh, kind of campaigning going on and lobbying already for Precious Achua. Those are the things he has to do. Become a better passer, have better vision, increase his defensive ability, but also make his free throws, right? And if he can be, you know, around 35, 36% from downtown, these are all the things that are going to help him uh, become a better player, but also be talked about in that most improved because now the ceiling is raised, right? Now the ceiling is raised for the Toronto Raptors because his game's expanding and that impact that he's giving uh, is going to obviously uh, be touched on when it comes to most improved player. Uh, something else to note about players uh, coming off the bench. One guy for the Atlanta Hawks, uh, which was kind of fun, especially since I was watching the game with my father. Uh, A.J. Griffin was playing for the Atlanta Hawks. Of course, his father, Adrian Griffin, was on the Raptors bench. And it was fun to see the camera pan over to Adrian Griffin as his son was playing one of his first games. You know, we're only seven games into the season. And here is uh, A.J. Griffin getting early moments. And and because his dad is a coach for the Raptors, he doesn't get to see him live, right? Like a lot of dads would. We saw, um, we saw Mr. Gritty himself, John Morant, uh, his dad being able to be at all the playoff games, uh, which is exciting. And, you know, other dads do the same thing, um, get to a lot of games. They're excited. They're proud of their sons. Adrian Griffin doesn't get to do that. So when he gets to be there live, um, coaching the Raptors, but also seeing his son, that's that's pretty exciting stuff, man. 
Um, that was one of the big highlights, I think, for the Atlanta Hawks last night. Uh, and I don't know how excited they were about it because it's not like Adrian Griffin is on their sideline. But it, it was a tough game for the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, probably the moment or the guy who is making uh, life difficult for the Raptors and kept this game close uh, through the first two and a half quarters was uh, Hunter for Atlanta. He was three or four from downtown and was giving a little more spacing for Murray and Young in the half court. And unfortunately for them, uh, DeAndre Hunter uh, picked up his fourth foul around the halfway mark of the third quarter. And that really started the Toronto Raptors run. Uh, I think he had hit two three-pointers um, in, in that third quarter, uh, got the lead down to just one, and then Hunter picks up his fourth and they had to sub him off. And he's a starter. He's a solid defender as well. But again, really gives the spacing that this lineup needs, knowing that they have Collins, who's you know an okay three-point shooter, probably around 32%. Capella, um, who's not a space guy, but you know is a great offensive rebounder and, and works hard or around the rim, great roller. But they need spacing, and Hunter's supposed to be that other guy uh, for Trey and, and Murray, and they didn't have the spacing when he left. And and Murray and Young really struggled to find, uh, you know, opportunities to take their guy off the dribble, to break down that pick and roll, to have options off the pick and roll. And Murray hit some really tough buckets. Murray had 20 points, nine assists, four rebounds. Overall, was probably their best player. Um Trey Young almost had as many assists as he did points because he just wasn't getting the looks. I uh, still managed to get uh, eight free throws. He was seven of eight from the line um, but and had 10 assists. Uh, but he also had 10 turnovers. And I think a lot of that was in the third quarter. He turned the ball over at the end of the third quarter three times because he didn't have Hunter. He didn't have those same options. And uh, yeah, it was interesting to watch this team. Uh, really interesting. I honestly think it was just an off night uh, for them. The Raptors could have probably been up 15 points midway through the third quarter. Certainly could have been up a lot more at the half. Um, but, you know, they, they kind of kept in it because the Raptors were a bit sloppy. And But th- I think the Hawks did have an off night, especially Trey Young. Um, Murray got his. Collins was one of six from downtown. Hunter got into foul trouble. So I I don't want to make too much of this because I think the Hawks are pretty dangerous. Akongu, Akongu uh, is, a, is a nice player coming off the bench for them defensively. Um, Holiday uh, can be a menace. He was 5 of 8 from the field, 2 for 4 from downtown. So I, I don't want to get too much ahead of uh, ourselves on this, on this game. Um, knowing that we won by 30... Yes, it was. It finished easy. The fourth quarter was very easy, but uh, you know, I think the Hawks had an off night. To be to be fair um, to them, Pascal Siakam was again uh, All NBA. He's a top 15 guy. How anybody thought he wasn't going to be, uh, who does uh, you know writes about basketball for a living, is beyond me. Uh, he was a plus 30. That's ridiculous. 31 points, 12 rebounds, 6 assists, no turnovers, folks. Got to the line a ton. Some fat, soft fouls uh, were called against the Hawks on Siakam, but when you're, you know, 
calling little uh, hand checks and body checks on Trey Young and giving him eight free throws when he's not really all that much into the key. Uh, yeah, Siakam's going to get fed from the free throw line. He was 13 of 16. Good to see his free throws become more consistent. I think at one point he might have hit eight straight, so that's good to see. Continues to be all over the glass. Another double-double night from him. Uh, he's averaging 27 points. Sorry, 20. Yeah, 27 points a game with nine and a half rebounds, with nine and a half rebounds and seven and a half assists. These are just elite numbers. Puts him in that top 12, top 10 category. And with Kawhi Leonard uh, being injured, he's going to be out for two more games. He's already been out uh, of four of their seven games, I believe. Uh, didn't start one of them um, and came off the bench. Uh, and you've got a guy like AD who oh, who seems very fragile, very vulnerable. He could be out of the lineup anytime um, seeing his body. I, I think it's pretty easy for Siakam to be talked about in the top 10. Miami has had a slow start. How much of the workload is, is Jimmy Butler going to have to carry as the season goes on? So, you know, all this talk about Siakam as an all-NBA guy um, I think is legitimate. I think he's proved it already being on the list twice and in, in two, tw- two times in the last three years. But now he's getting into that top 10 conversation. It's one thing to be in the top 15, 19 guys. It's another thing to now be talked about in the top 10. And, you know, he's no, I don't think he's going to be in the, the MVP conversation, although there was MVP chance last night. I think he's just, you know, the team's not going to be good enough and his numbers aren't going to be ridiculous like Luka or even Jason Tatum, who's had a crazy start from a scoring perspective. He's averaging 31 a game. I think the Raptors are just going to be out of the the top three in the conference, although they could go on a run. But I think Pascal's numbers won't be as huge as Giannis, as Luka, um, as maybe Jokic, we'll see how that irons out, and 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 or as Embiid, uh, but he'll he'll he won't be far away uh, when when I think the dust settles uh, and things start to even out uh, on the start of the season, we get to 25, 30 games. I think him and Tatum will be right there, and I put Tatum as my number seven for this season. So Siakam could be a top ten, you know, really could be a top ten guy in the regular season, and that is exciting, folks. Um, to see a guy who we drafted, to see a guy become most improved, to win a chip, to battle back uh, after that bubble year, after the pandemic, to get back to All-NBA. And now we're talking about him in in conversations with the seventh best, eighth best player in the in the league. My gosh, exciting stuff. Anyways, before I go down another Pascal Siakam podcast, which I've already done, um, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to pull back and say we got a game against San Antonio on Wednesday. Uh, we will have other things to talk about as we get ready for another mini series against the Chicago Bulls. But we're four and three. We're three and one at home. We got the win last night. Happy Halloween. Happy All Saints Day. I don't know if people really care about that kind of stuff, but. Day of the Dead is is very soon as well. Uh, much love from Mississauga, and uh, we'll catch up to you soon. Peace. I think I don't, I don't do